Welcome to the After Dark Podcast with Anthony James and Conrad. This is an extra episode for your YouTube comments because Anthony James and Conrad could not stop rambling on. What a pair of schmucks. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Welcome to the After Dark Podcast. I'm Anthony James and that's Conrad. Hello. We're here to answer your questions. Well, most of them are for Conrad, but I think there is at least one for me this week, Conrad, so you'll be happy to know. This is outrageous. I thought I made my thoughts on this perfectly clear (laughs) the last time you were asked a question. Yeah, exactly. But uh, at least it'll give your little vocal cords a bit of a rest. That is true, yeah. Yeah, so um, considering we've got 16 questions, I would say subscribe on YouTube, subscribe on the podcasting apps, leave a comment below if you want to, and let's just get straight into it. Let's do it. And that was correctly using straight into it, that guy from a few weeks ago. Yeah, take that. Right. (laughs) Stranger from the outside. Question one comes from Jamie Jett. Jamie Jett's becoming a a frequent questioner, so thank you very much. Yeah, I recognize Uh, that name. Yep. Uh, What does Conrad think will happen to Ulrich in 1953 moving forward? Does he believe he uh, he will make it back to present day or stay in 1953? Um, no, I don't think he's going to make it back it alive. I think he's going to die in 1953. Um, I don't, I mean, I, I think he navigated the caves by following Helga. Um, and I don't think he has any of the tools or documentation or experience he needs to, to get back on his own. So I think he might be stuck in 53 and uh, I think he's maybe going to run afoul of either the police or, you know, Noah or, or, or some other violent character who's going to bump him off, hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> well, I didn't, I wasn't wishing for him to, you know, suffer um, at the end of a, the episode before this one, but now Ulrich can, Ulrich can do one, quite frankly. <laughs> Yeah, he can just you know he can he can go and go and live a happy life in a grave yeah. in 1953. Yeah, exactly. All right, okay. Um, next question from Marvin. I think now I haven't actually read this one yet, so if I pause halfway through, it's it's because I uh, I'm editing as I go. Okay. <laughs> okay, nice. I, I think at the end of episode eight, uh, oh, I trust Marvin. I think Mar- Marvin won't, wouldn't give you a spoiler. I, I, he says, I think at the ep- end of episode eight is where you first see old Claudia. So if I'm wrong, this question is pointless. Well, <laughs> right, Marvin. Good, mem- good memory. Uh, where slash when is she? And when will she leave her current timeline? So we've seen her in 86. So that's sort of where we think her current timeline is. Uh, when will she leave that current timeline? And what is she doing there like the, in, in the place she's in? So, I mean, she's clearly fighting because she has an absolute arseload of guns and weapons with her. So I think she's in 20, I I would assume, given the 33-year cycle thing and what we know about the machines opening a portal 33 years in the future and 33 years in the past, that she's in 2052. Or maybe she's further forward than that, because I guess with those machines there's no logical reason why she couldn't be at any point in the future but for the time being i'm assuming it's it's going to be 2052 and i think she's kind of holding the thought i assume she must have done must have worked with the stranger and the stranger maybe was sent back in time to try and fix the calamity that she is currently in the middle of and she's kind of either protecting uh the last sort of 
bastion of civilization or or something like that i think i think she's going to become you know a character who has uh, has to sort of defend others in in that timeline uh, or defend a place where there's a portal that they can use to to get back in time or something along those lines mm-hmm. yeah uh interesting okay next question uh also now now that in the in season one almost all the characters are introduced <laughs> all the pieces are on the board you might say <laughs> <laughs> what will happen to them who will be time traveling before the end of the season um i wonder if we're going to see anyone else time travel that hasn't already time traveled uh, i think Jonas will be off again because you know i i think he I, i've made no secret the fact that i think Jonas becomes the stranger mm-hmm. so I think there's, there's going to be some kind of incident which makes Jonas realize what will happen if events follow their current course maybe it'll have something to do with the Vanis Mikkel stuff in Regina's hotel um but uh I I think we'll I'm trying to think where I see this season ending I could see Ulrich kind of dying being something at the end of this season potentially mm-hmm. although actually having said that that made more sense when I had some sentimentality towards him, but after this episode, I don't really have any. So it wouldn't be kind of, it would be shocking, but it wouldn't be kind of as impactful to me if he died. Cause I'd be just like satisfied by it. Um, yeah. Where do I see it going? I, I think we're going to see 2052 by the end of this. I think there's going to be, you know, a reveal a fourth, of a fourth timeline. Yeah. I don't think they're going to do like a full episode like they've done with the fifties and the eighties, but I think they're going to show us what the current timeline results in um, by the end of this episode, uh, by the end of the season rather. Okay. And uh, Marvin just adds on at the end there that uh, what, what day or how long are the questions open for Uh, Marvin? I think I've mentioned it before. Maybe I haven't, but um, basically we record most of the time we will record when it's a normal time and there's not a baby on the way we will, (laughs) we'll record on a Thursday. So that gives you three days to get the question up. So if you, if you listen to the podcast after the Thursday, usually that's too late. Uh, so good question. Uh, it is important to know that. Um, if you put a question on after that, if I'm able to and I have the time, I could, I, I, we, you know, I could ask Conrad and get his, uh, get his answer and give it to you in the text form. I don't really know if I have the time for that. So it's better just to get in those first three days. Of course, as you know, the After Dark podcast, we're on every week. So if you don't get a chance to ask a question there, you can ask a question next week. Just make sure you get it in before Thursday. Thursday evening UK time. Okay, that's what it is. If, if you put a question there half an hour before we start recording, then I'll include it. Hopefully that answers your question. There you go. That's a guarantee. That's a guarantee. <laughs> uh, right. Okay. So question from Milos Vitten. And he says, hi, guys. Thank you for a very interesting approach to the show. I'm not sure if I would describe my wild ramblings as interesting, but I'm glad. I'm very flattered and glad that you think that. Yeah, yeah. No problem, I would say. Uh, Question for Conrad. I love how he specifies Conrad. Just just, just in case Anthony's getting excited. You you stay out of it. Yeah, I'll stay out of it. Uh, uh, Why do you think Mikkel uh, committed suicide? Because he wanted to get out of the goddamn loop. Oh, yeah. There we go. Yeah, so I, I... yeah, I think Michael. So I think we're going to see Michael again. Basically, is is what that theory leads me to, because I think by dying, you are escaping the timeline. So I I, I think the stranger has killed himself um, at least once, or has been killed poss- uh, possibly by being hung, or or by hanging himself, or by having his throat cut. Um, 
I think Michael killed himself to escape the loop. Um, and I think the same thing has happened to Helga. So, yeah, I, I'm, I think we're going to see Michael again. Interesting. Um, and why do you think he waited 33 years to do it? Uh, that's a good question, actually. I haven't really thought about that. Um, he just didn't, maybe it took him that long to realize. In yeah, your, in think, your theory, I mean, you know. Yeah, I guess, like, thinking about where Mikkel is now as a character, like, he doesn't really have a lot of the information um, because he's kind of operating independently of anyone else. So I guess maybe it took him 33 years to kind of arrive at the conclusion that by killing himself, um, he could he could sort of break the cycle and get out of it. Um, or, or perhaps... It, 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 he did kill himself because of his illness and because he was um you know tired of tired of life and it's entirely coincidental that he may that he may also escape the loop but at, at the moment i think when a character dies i, I think it's quite there, there's a distinction between all the characters that we've seen die so far who have come back or appear to have come back in the case of the stranger but have come back in the case of helga and the characters who have been killed by noah's hand who have been you know properly decimated like they've had their like soul ripped out of their body for want of a better a better mm -hmm. way of phrasing ripped it out so, of their eyes yeah so like it appears like noah has a way of permanently killing people though why he's killing people i don't know but i i think there is a way to permanently die in this but i think i think michael killed himself to to break out of the loop rather than because he wanted to, to permanently die interesting next question from alex has conrad picked up on the fact that every episode is one day and does so answer that question yes or no uh yeah i, I had i had sort of picked up on that um for the most part back. Yeah, yeah for the most part that's what's happening especially in season one that's what's happening yeah um and does he expect uh that to play an important part in the storytelling in future episodes or, or and seasons um no i if, it, is, if, it kind if, of already is, isn't it? Like it, it's it, it, I, whether it'll 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 play more of a part. I don't know, but it already is playing a part in the way they're telling a story. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. For, I mean, for this season, it certainly is. Like it, it, each each, it's kind of progressing at for the most part for like a day at a time away from the the sort of central incident of of um, of Mickle going missing. Um, but I think what, if if the sort of Vinden wormhole is essential to the plot as um as i think it might be then i could see them doing sort of entire loops of the 99 year cycle in the space of like an episode in in future <laughs> because you know once we know what's going to happen well, there's no reason to revisit it again so you could have you know characters dropping into times and doing crazy stuff um and only focusing in on the bits that we haven't seen before and you know get get some interesting character work with the characters in those times while you're at it as well yeah interesting so it'll sort of it'll become more complex but at that point the audience is sort of trained for it yeah exactly yeah awesome uh okay so next question from pep cool nice hello hello guys question for both of you yes oh, that's outrageous did you miss Bartos in this episode? <laughs> um, no, because I felt like Helga filled in amply as the weird kid. <laughs> uh, I did miss Bartos. I, I like I like having Bartos on the screen. He's always, you know, 
you, I'm not about to say you never know what he's going to do, but to be honest with you, we do know what he's going to do. He's always if there's a character, another character in, in the uh, in the scene with him, he's going to try and make that character as, as uncomfortable as possible. <laughs> yeah, I felt like um, the the bully with the popped collar, which uh, is is a nice little way of uh, visually indicating that someone is a knob, um, is by having their collar up. Um, I felt like he had some Bartles energy as well. The one who the one who who pisses on on Helga. So um, <laughs> so. He, he was there in spirit, if not, if not literally. Yeah, yeah that was definitely the Bartos of the time. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, speaking of Bartos, Pep Cool says, "Can Conrad give a crazy fanfic theory of where Bartos' storyline will go? I need something wild." <laughs> well, wilder than the one I proposed the other week, where like I think he's going to get recruited into Noah's coven of hooded figures and eventually commit, like, start doing spells. Well, no, I don't think he'll start doing spells, but I think I think he's going to go on a redemption arc. So I think he's going to become a bad guy, work for Noah, and like kind of get welcomed into his inner circle of hooded acolytes, and then he's going to like work from the inside to bring Noah down. So he, he he'll probably die as part of it as well, because that's how the redemption arc works. Is you you know gives his life to save probably Marta, like because you know Marta doesn't actually like him, but she'll come to respect him at the very least. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of where I think I see his relationship with Noah going at the moment. Um, the you know the wildest theory I can come up with Bartos is that at some point he becomes a decent human being. So <laughs> imagine that. There's no, there's no way. <laughs> there's no way, yeah. You could have as many repetitions of this timeline as you like, and Bartos will be a dick in every single one of them. <laughs> it's like the bit in uh, Avengers where Doctor Strange calculates how many times they can they beat Thanos. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> How many times was Bartos not a dick? Just the one. Zero. Yeah, it was zero. So uh, I'm going to ask you two questions, right? Okay. This, this is literally just to get more theories on the board. Just so okay. we, we, have, okay. we, have, we have. This is this is almost unfair and manipulative now because I'm just being set up for failure. But go, go on. I know. Yeah. Hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. Um. So my first question is: So they alluded to the idea of where Bartos' story will go. You then alluded to the idea that uh, maybe he'll get killed after being a part of whatever. Um, first question, do you believe, this, let's, this is a prediction now, do you believe Bartos will be murdered or killed, let's say? Um, I mean, I think... Uh, I, I'm in two minds. I, I'm going to say for the purposes of, it, of being interesting that I, I, I am gen- genuinely like bought into the theory that he will kind of be manipulated into helping Noah in the same way that Helga was because he has some of the same hallmarks of being kind of naive in a slightly weird way and kind of wanting to please people but not really knowing how to do it where I could see him easily being manipulated and coerced into doing bad things so I can see him becoming part of Noah's gang or group or whatever and as a result of that I think he would need to have some kind of redemption arc which I think the natural end of would be him dying. So yeah, I, I, I think I think I can see him dying, but I don't think it would be for a while. So answer the question: Do you think he will be killed? Will he will he be killed? Yeah, like will some will someone be responsible for his for his death? Because you're, you're saying his his arc ends with him dying. So I just want to get a prediction on the board that we can say you're right or wrong about. So do I you... think he will. Uh, yeah, I think he will be killed. Okay, so my follow up question to you: You think he will be killed? Is who do you think is going to kill him? You have a potential uh, to gain some points here, but you have also a potential to lose some points. I'm going to... Mm, it would feel quite poetic for it to be Jonas. So that's who I'm going to say. Okay. Interesting. It's either going to be Jonas or Noah, but I'm going to say Jonas. 
Awesome. Next question. It's going into the theory matrix. I'm writing it down as we speak. Yeah, that's I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get you to make as many predictions as possible. It's cruel is what it is. Okay, uh, next question from Euro Boros. Uh, Boros. If Ulrich were, be, uh, were to be... Oh, the, the snake eating its tail. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah nice. If, if Ulrich were to be tried for what he, what he did, uh, as in like a trial, you know, uh, should he get the normal sentence for such a crime? Or should he go free or anything in between? I recently got into an argument with someone on Reddit. This is uh, their, their, their <laughs> comment. I recently got into an argument with someone on Reddit where it was widely believed that Ulrich did, the, did was the same thing as killing baby Hitler and thus he shouldn't be treated as a norm, normal criminal. Now, we did, I, I did touch on this. On, yeah. uh, I, I stood on my pedestal and uh, addressed this in the, <laughs> in the main episode. Um, we can do it again. <laughs> I don't mind. Well, I, I think you know there's there's probably not enough hours in the day for me to explain why that's incorrect but briefly it's not the same thing as killing baby here well i, I mean okay no let, I'll, I'll retract that it, it let's work on the assumption that it is the same thing as killing baby hitler yes and by and like you know work let, let's treat that as a cardinal truth you kill baby hitler you avoid uh, let's put it in simple terms you avoid the holocaust and you avoid world war ii so you're saving i don't know round number let's say 10 million lives are saved as a result of you committing this crime so you know the the, the simplistic way of looking at that is handshakes all around pat you on the back well done you save 10 million lives the realistic way of looking at that if you accept that that time travel is possible and there is a that there's a causal relationship between you know these changes you're making in the past and the future is that you have you have no idea what the effect of that is going to be like you know you've killed baby hitler okay those those things never happen but what happens if somewhere down the line one of uh you know I, I know he didn't have them but let's say you know hitler had children or something one of his children was going to uh, come up with the cure for alzheimer's or or, or cancer or mm -hmm. something like that you know you have you're taking on this responsibility that no one person could possibly have uh, or could possibly deal with because you simply don't know the outcomes of what you're uh, the outcome of what you're going to do you don't know how far reaching it's going to be um and it's not for it's not for for one person to be judge jury and executioner for for you know someone who hasn't even had a chance to make the mistakes that will lead them to to these bad choices like you you simply unfortunately as abhorrent as it may be you have to accept that people have the capacity to make awful choices and and allow those choices to happen because the the alternative is you basically as Ulrich has done in this episode decide that you're going to dictate who gets to live and who gets to die uh based on a, a very very arbitrary and predetermined set of set of notions you have about those people um so yeah i mean in terms of the question Ulrich should just be tried for murder and that should be the end of it like you don't you don't just get to kill people unfortunately no matter how right you think you might be yeah and just to add to that um let's let's be honest uh People in the 60s and 70s were, were willing to go to prison for going on the bus and sitting in the wrong seat. They were willing to face the criminal charges to make a point, right? So do you not think that the person who goes back in time to kill Hitler, baby Hitler, is 100% expecting and willing to face the criminal charges of being a murderer? Of course they are. 
So the idea of not being tra- treated like a normal criminal is absolutely ridiculous. The person who killed baby Hitler would, would welcome with open arms be, being put in prison because they sort of are, if you like, a civil rights activist <laughs> for all of the Jews who died. He's like a, like a Jewish rights activist. So they, they, they would, there's no way you commit to going back in time and killing a child or a baby without thinking that you're going to go to prison for it. So like even the idea of should he be tried or should he be treated like a normal criminal? Yeah. And the person who went back to kill baby Hitler expects to be treated like a normal criminal. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, just to, to pose a hypothetical, you know, if, if, if we say, okay, if you can, if you can quantify a certain amount of lives saved as a justification for killing a child, who, who decides that line, you know, yeah. is it, Oh, this person murdered their girlfriend in a fit of pa- a fit of rage because their girlfriend was cheating on them is it okay to go back and kill them when they're a baby like okay this person f- had a heart attack when they were driving a bus and the bus went off a bridge and everyone on the bus died do we kill them when they're a baby yeah. like it's just like you know th- these are the kind of moral quandaries that you you simply can't no human is equipped to make decisions of that gravity because when you, as soon as you start doing it you're playing god and that's what Oryx's doing here and i think to go back to your point um about the person going back in time would expect to go to prison the thing that i find most abhorrent i think about Oryx's behavior in this is i think he doesn't have any remorse and i think he doesn't mm-hmm. think he's going to get caught for it as well i think he he thinks he's done the right thing he seems absolutely convinced that what he's done is correct and right he doesn't yeah. feel guilt and i think he's i think Ulrich is a coward i don't i think he doesn't expect to get caught just like he didn't expect to get caught with hannah and i think he doesn't expect to get punished for it and i really hope that he does to be honest yeah exactly so i think we've sort of we've we've done about at least 10 minutes of the podcast including the main podcast and this question on this idea of killing baby hitler and Ulrich. If, if so you understand our views on it um so tell those people in reddit to come watch our videos yeah and if they still don't like it it's pistols at dawn yeah i mean arguing on reddit i i gave that up a long time ago as well like you just gotta yeah yeah you just gotta <laughs> just, just take a step back yeah those hills aren't worth dying on in my experience yeah 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 uh although if you are going to do it make sure you just be really polite like that's yeah. that's the thing if you be if you be really polite and like say oh yeah good point but and like always just like always be polite then no matter what even if someone comes along and reads you're not going to look like the bad guy even if you are arguing for uh <laughs> killing baby hitler uh or not killing baby hitler as, as it would be right next question this is for from annalise now annalise has put uh, a big long sort of analysis of a book called momo by michael ende but uh okay. Michael End, I suppose it's got an E on the end, but I'm not sure. Uh, I've never read. I've never read the book. Apparently, there's a film of it too. Um, but Annalise draws out a load of um, similarities between uh, Dark's sort of the way they approach the 50s and the book. Um, so I'm sorry, Annalise. Uh, from what you said here, it does seem interesting, but um, neither of us, I would imagine, I don't think Conrad's seen it or read it. No, I've not. I'm not aware of it. I'll have to check it out though. What is it? Is 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 it's the book that's been that's been specifically mentioned? Yeah, well, it's a book that's been specifically mentioned, and it says that in terms of the way it looks, so all the men in they write all the men in dark and the way they looked. It, for example, reminded me of the man, men in grey from the from the book. Of course, okay. yeah. So it, it, apparently, there's a lot of really similar themes there. So um, 
I'm sure Annalise, I'm sure there's someone who's watching this video who has read the book or seen the film. And this might start a really awesome discussion with those people in the comments on this video. So have at that. But unfortunately, we haven't read it. But I'll endeavor over the next uh, 50 to 60 years to do so. <laughs> uh, and now that is a promise you can take to the bank. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I'll get back to you on it whenever I get there, get around to it. Um, thanks. Right. <laughs> i did i really uh, sorry annalise i did not mean for that to come across i, I realized how i was sounding i i you'll know I've, i look at i did a video on the expanse of, from someone in the comments t telling me that it was good i i do genuinely really respect those uh those suggestions and things um so sorry about the flip the flippancy <laughs> Annalise, of my... he, he is big leaguing you this is like <laughs> he's he's gotten too he's gotten too big for his own boots I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's getting I didn't... close to 2,000 subscribers and he hasn't got time for little people anymore. No, no, no. Oh, jeez. <laughs> right, okay. Uh, if I had an editor for this podcast, I'd tell him to take it out, but we don't, yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> right, sorry. Uh, uh, Atahan asks, so I've got a few. First one, what do you think of all the new characters that were introduced? Well, just generally. I think just generally, yeah. I, I, I mean, I think it's really ballsy. Uh, writing to like really ridiculously ballsy like if anyone else was doing it i would say this is ridiculous that you're introducing a bunch of new characters this far into the first season um but i think they're interesting i i, I kind of have the it, it's it, it's kind of similar to the third episode where it's almost like an, a, another pilot so you're only getting like little snapshots really yeah. of these characters i think the, probably the most interesting i want to see where egon goes um agnes uh, as well because you know she's like a film noir femme fatale based on how she dresses and acts mm -hmm. so you know there's potentially a murder in her past which is always juicy um and hg tanhouse um i think the exclusion or the, the fact that charlotte um hasn't been mentioned or charlotte's parents haven't been mentioned is very interesting um given what we suspect about him being uh, charlotte's grandfather um so i'm interested to see sort of how how his family comes into his desires about trying to travel through time. I, I suspect there, there is a line from H.G. Tanhouse where he says that he used to dream about traveling through time and now he feels like his time is in the here and now in 1986. Um, and I wonder if that's because he has started a family or he seems a little old to be starting a family in 86. So I'm, yeah. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I, I definitely want to see more of him. Awesome. Uh, why do you think that Greta is so cold with Helga? uh evil stepmother i'm I'm calling it now it's just like it's it's it, she is not his biological mother and she hates him as a result awesome just good, good old-fashioned disney stepmother <laughs> are you noticing anything going on with agnes and doris <laughs> uh no what could that what could you possibly be talking about there there's a woman in red who <laughs> is grabbing people's hands left right and center yeah and what does this say about doris's relationship with egon um, like he's not getting the job done. Yeah, clearly. Confused is what I would say. <laughs> yeah. uh, what did you think of the fact that we never actually saw Daniel Carnvold's wife? Um, so Daniel Carnvold is the other cop. Yeah. He seemed like the police chief to me. Yeah. I didn't really think about his wife, to be honest. So that, well, that would be Enos's uh, mother. Yeah. I didn't think too much about it. 
to be like, honest. Yeah, and like to be honest with you, like that this show was obviously is heavily focused on families, so you are going to naturally think about whose whose parent is who and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Having said that, it's not going to go into the family tree of every character. Um, yeah, I, th- I think I'm sure like that's one of those things where. As in a few episodes time when we see more of the 50s if, if they still haven't shown me anything about uh Ines's mother i'll start to sort of theorize and suspect it but when you when you're sort of first introduced to the setting it's not immediately suspicious to me if if they don't go into or they don't introduce every single character yeah Although the fact that we've had a question asked about it now immediately gets me thinking <laughs> like yeah, course, about, about the absentee uh Carnvald matriarch so uh last question from Atahan. How yeah. well do you think Egon is doing at his job compared to how he how well he did in 1986? Uh, I mean he seems like he's doing all right. He's doing his best. Yeah, I like Egon. That's something that I think that that sen- sentence sums up Egon. He's doing his best. Yeah, like he's trying you know, he's 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 trying and I can respect that. Like he he seems like a nice man in a series that doesn't have that many nice men or well at least not nice men who are who don't have a big bloody asterisk next to it like you know he he just he seems like unapologetically kind and nice um and i suspect he will be taken advantage of and um like for most of his life as a result of that um maybe he's not a particularly good policeman but i'll I'll tell you this right now he's a he's a damn sight better at his job than ulrich is so yeah yeah uh, and then uh, at hand just as episode eight. While it's by no means my favorite episode, it's definitely up there. I would agree. Yeah, I mean that's the yeah definitely one of the best ones I've seen so far. Um, it's yeah, I, I I can always tell when I've really really enjoyed an episode because I come out of it just buzzing and and wanting to write everything down and watch it again immediately. Yeah, exactly. All right. So then M H asks, I wonder if the Doppler House feels familiar to Conrad. Um. Let me think. Doppler House, those stairs. Ah, maybe not. I don't know. That felt that felt a bit like the Carnvald's house, but it's obviously much smaller. But like the the like the the way the staircase is shot. No, wait, hold on. Actually, I'm just trying to think of that like shot of the staircase and whether we've seen that mirrored because Dark normally does kind of visual matching. Like it very much did it. Uh, in the t- uh, Tiedemann house, like you could kind of tell the rooms they're walking around of the Tiedemann house were the Niels- were the same room where the Nielsens had that big kind of one shot uh, yeah. family gathering. So what is? Hmm. I mean, the the answer is no. Immediately, like I I didn't I didn't think about what that might look like. But there's only so many places it could be. You know, yeah. <laughs> like it's it's either going to be a bit. Um... No, I haven't. I can't immediately think. I have to. I have to reflect Stew on, on that. that. Stew on that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, also, they asked, uh, "What could be the, uh, what could be the matter with Agnes's mysterious husband and grandmother?" I don't know what they mean by "what could be the matter," but did you know? Like, what are your initial thoughts about Agnes's mysterious husband and grandmother? I mean, the husband um, of the three theories I proposed. So either she murdered him and ran away with Tronta. Uh, he is still alive, but she ran away with Chanta because he was abusive. Or uh, there is no husband. He's just a, she just got pregnant, had a kid, and uh, she uses the husband as like cover for something else. I think, you know, she's a woman in red and things set in the fifties. It's very film noir. 
I think she murdered her husband who was abusive and ran away and is, is running away from the crime. Um, or I think, you know, that's, that's the current story. So yeah, that's what I think she's done. I don't know about the grandmother thing though. I, oh wait, so the grandmother living in Vinden. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, she's Marta, so her grandmother's Jana. So yeah, her grandmother does live in, <laughs> in Vinden. Okay, awesome. Uh, next question <laughs> from Ari Ease. Um, what does Conrad think about the arrival of Agnes and Fronte in Winden in 1953? Where where have they come from? Are they really mother and son, or are they just acting like they are? Oh, um, oh, that feels like it could be sending me down a complete blind alley. <laughs> that question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I well, actually I do wonder. That's interesting because may like maybe it's possible. I suppose that I, that she's not actually his. Uh, mother and she just rescued him from an abusive situation possibly um that's that could that could still totally fit into that sort of um femme fatale thing if she was you know a working woman perhaps and uh and she saved saved the son of one of her one of her johns i don't know that's that's potentially being a bit unfair to her that implying that she used to be a prostitute but it's women don't wear red in things like this unless it's trying to say something about their characters. That looked um, like a very professional hand movement, didn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, tactical hand touch, as we've discussed. <laughs> THT. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hadn't considered that. That's interesting, the, the idea that maybe she's not actually Tronta's uh, mother. Um, where have they come from? The answer is the future. Uh, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> they've looped back around. Um, yeah, on, I, I, on, I mean, on, the, on the carousel that is Vinden. Yeah, exactly. And the eternal dance that is Vinden, they've spun back round to the fifties. Um, yeah, I, I mean that's kind of one of my more my more fun theories, as opposed to one that I'm sort of really really got both feet into. But I I, I think at the very least um, there is enough mystery shrouding their origins that they've they're up to no good but maybe i i think there's probably going to be mystery in like the character drama as well so i'm kind of hoping with dark that it doesn't just go full bore into the time travel stuff and still take some time to explore you know these a woman fleeing an abusive relationship for instance or something like that like i hope there's still space for that kind of stuff in the show yeah. as it goes forward interesting okay cool moving on Next question from uh, Lucille Lacroix. Aha. Um, we'll get better at pronouncing that name each time we say it. Yeah, well, that's how it works, isn't it? Or, or worse. Okay, so I'm not sure where the questions are because there's quite a bit of writing, so I'm just going to read. Ready? Okay. Okay, weird and confused question. But, well, I'm a philosopher, so, you know, it's kind of my job to ask that kind of questions. Interesting, <laughs> Interesting to know, Lucille. Thanks for letting us know that. Puts a little spin on the way, what your questions will be, I'm sure. So... You were saying that this episode really introduces slash confirms the idea that, that uh, there are real rules regarding time travel in the show. So, for example, changing things in the past is not without consequence, and surely it will affect the future, which raises plenty of questions, I think. So, for instance, we know that Jonas exists and that his father was Michael, and Michael was Mikkel, who in fact was born after both Jonas and Michael. <laughs> so there's a paradox here, right? Yeah, I mean there is, yeah, but that's that's like um, that's like causal determinism in a nutshell. Is that you know you're you're the, the like time is not uh, is not traveling in a straight line. It's looping back around on itself. Well, yeah. that's not causal determinism. That's just like the the black hole theory. But um, yeah, I mean it is. I guess it is a paradox. 
but only if you view time as a straight line rather than something which loops back round on itself if if the ends are joined so to speak um yeah. or the way that i've uh, sort of tried to characterize it in my videos before in terms of the linear thing time is a straight line but the events which occur within it maybe not um so I, I don't like the idea of time looping back because one character going through it going to the past isn't actually the whole timeline looping do you know what i mean no that's true mm -hmm. so I, I i think when you, when you start talking about time loops and stuff some people get like really like into the fine gritty details of it the nitty-gritty and um and you have to you have to just sort of separate that out like time does move from past to present however the past influences the present and the and the future and the future influences the past so so it is kind of like a huge big loop even though it is always constantly moving in a line if you know what i mean yeah no i think that's right like it's more, yeah uh, i think the reach of our actions in in our given portion of the timeline can affect as as tanhouse says like the, the 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 past and the present so you know you you can you can step backwards and forwards through time and your actions will impact the timeline but yeah time itself isn't isn't gonna kind of reset i guess yeah like each each version of a character like each version of claudia for example who goes from young middle old will come to fruition you know get older and then die and then the next one will come it's not like the same character is re reimagining as a new yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not the same character looping it's it's they have they have a particular path that goes all over the timeline uh but they do come to an end at some point um yeah yeah right okay so then lucille goes on so i guess my question is mostly about time choice and free will when the stranger lets jonas choose between bringing Mickle back or leaving him in the 80s, does Jonas actually have a choice? And if so, what would actually happen if he decided to bring him back? Like, we suppose uh, we, uh, he would sort of be erased from existence, I guess. But what about the people who knew him, like Hannah or Marta? How do we make sense of all that? So, like, maybe, like, do, they, do their memories go, go away? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. Uh, yeah, so they, they, like, stop being able to play Earth Angel... And, yeah. and, they, and they disappear from a photograph. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess that's what happens. I mean, the stranger clearly, if if he hasn't seen it firsthand, he suspects what will happen, uh, and 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 believes in it because you know he when he grabs Jonas and says like, you know, shakes it into him like that's your dad. Don't be an idiot. You're going to erase yourself if you talk to him. You know, it's not, it, it's not the behaviour of someone who knows that it's impossible to for you know uh you to erase yourself in the past like he clearly is is at the very least respects the idea enough that he thinks it could happen and, and doesn't want Jonas to do it um so uh, yeah I, don't, I wonder what it would look like whether it would just be you know you just blink out of existence and you were never there i don't think it will be the back to the future <laughs> you're fading away you've got to make your parents fall in love um kind of yeah, thing yeah. but uh yeah i mean the, the stranger definitely believes that that can happen because otherwise he wouldn't warn Jonas about doing it um in terms of whether he has a choice again i have to frame this in the, the context of the stranger he believes that that Jonas does or believes that he did i guess um because you know he's talking to hg tanhouse about how he doesn't agree with determinism like he thinks yeah, it's he... possible to escape you know these sort of predestined set of decisions that you will make on this timeline yeah. um and i guess that's quite reasonable to hold that opinion if you've seen the things that he 
that I suspect he has seen in terms of, you know, potentially like massive nuclear war or some kind of cataclysmic event that, that you know, ravages the, the earth. Um, maybe he has to believe in that to keep himself going. And, uh, and I, I wonder if that's something that will actually be revealed anytime soon. But, um, but yeah, I, I, have, I think whether there's a choice is not something the show will get into definitively one way or the other until much further on. But I, I hope, I, I like to think there is. I mean, as, as H.G. Tanha says, like we like to believe as humans that we have control in our own lives. It's a very human thing to, to, to believe. Exactly, yeah. It's the human nature to, to, to want to believe uh, if you have free will. Yeah. Um, okay, so Lucille just ends up by saying, also, regarding my name, uh, you did get it pretty wrong the first time. <laughs> <laughs> that was when you pronounced it. Yeah, La Croix. La Croix. I thought that was right. I thought that was pretty close, but apparently not. I, but I absolutely would not know how to explain the correct pronunciation to you. So you, so you know what? Just pick the pronunciation you like the best and it's more than fine to me. So this is what I'm going with for the future, right? Okay. Lucille LaCroix. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely how French works. They really, they really hate, like pronounce those X's exactly like the letter sounds. Yeah. So that's the way I think it's done, uh, Lucille. So that's what I'm going to be doing from now on. Okay, LaCroix. Uh... <laughs> I can't even see your name, so I can't even make an attempt at it. I can L- do Lucille. L-A-C-R-O-I-X. Oh, okay. La Croix. La Croix. I, no, I, I can't. I don't think my mouth... It's like a bit like um, when you try and say uh, a name that's like an Afrikaans name. Like, my mouth just doesn't make yeah, the yeah. right shapes to get that, I think. The thing is, and also what's really interesting is I don't actually... Maybe I don't actually know if it's even appropriate for me on a podcast to try and pronounce an Afrikaans word, you know, <laughs> yeah. I don't, get, or like a, get yourself a, in hot water with that. Like, I don't really know. So we'll just, uh, we'll just avoid that one. But uh, <laughs> Lucille LaCroix, thank you very much. Uh, we'll um, hope, hopefully we we'll hear from you next time. Uh, Jane Choi asks a uh, question for Conrad. Thanks again for specifying. Uh, I, had, <laughs> I had a little bit of hope in my heart there, but you've crushed it there, Jane. Thank don't, you very much. Don't fall for his lies. <laughs> <laughs> what does he think about uh, Agnes and young Tronta? Where does he think their storyline will go? So we've talked about what do you think about their past? Now what about their future? So any guesses of whether Tronta's father is going to come in? Um, well, there's definitely a possibility. As I say, you know, the, the, it seems the, the obvious, or my, my first instinct is either they've murdered his father to escape an abusive relationship or uh, they have said he's dead but they've actually just run away from uh from an abusive father that those seem like the two most likely options um whether they're actually related Tronta and agnes Tronta and agnes that is um remains to be seen but um my my kind of hope with them i know i've said like oh, i think she's martyr but i do i wonder if characters like this are going to kind of underpin the time travel stuff by just having character drama happening in the different timelines. Um, so, mm. you know, the, the, the father figure showing back up and these guys having to deal with being stalked by an abusive ex or an abusive father figure. And they, you know, they can't go to the police because Egan's incompetent or whatever. Um, so that, that's kind of where I see that going. I, I, I don't know if they're actually going to get into any, or if Agnes, at least, is going to get into any time travel stuff. It does beg the question how Tronta ends up working with Noah, um, well, assuming he is working with Noah, because obviously, you know, we know he gets up to something. Um, 
but um at the moment i see that as just character drama um to do with with that relationship with the with the the father who i i'd be surprised if he was deceased just because there's so much drama that you could get out of him not being dead and being back and and you know still being abusive um but yeah that's that's hope that's where i see that going at the moment awesome uh great uh next question from bloody rose oh i love this podcast conrad is such a good sport my question for conrad conrad again thanks for specifying do you you think that the characters in dark have free will so sort of bringing into it we've already touched on a bit of this but we're not going to just ignore the question uh or is everything predetermined what is your theory on this and if it's okay to ask okay so we'll we'll ask that one first so um yeah uh so again you know stranger things that you do and i i think free will is a very nebulous concept I okay think. actually i think you're about to answer the second question so let me okay, just ask go on. um it might be a, they say and if it's okay to ask a personal question uh then this is for for both anthony and conrad get in outrageous this is my second one today <laughs> in real life do you believe that we as human beings have free will or not thanks guys okay. uh so do you believe in free will uh, yeah, I do. I, I, I think I think in the context of this show, um, free will is a very nebulous concept. I think it does exist, but to to express it, you need to behave in a way that's 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 so kind of out of character for you that you would never think to behave in that way. So how you it's kind of a uh, a, a bit of an oxymoron because you'd have to arrive at the conclusion to behave in a way that you would never normally behave mm-hmm. um, in order to to sort of break out of the behavioural cycle that that you're you know what what makes you up um, kind of pushes you into or pushes you towards um in real life yeah i believe in free will i think i I don't like the idea that anything else has control over my actions it lets me take responsibility for my own awful mistakes yeah and i'll say as well like i i know that there's a very detailed conversation you get to get into a very sort of philosophical one um you can get into about like you know what actually are we and our our brain like it's our brain is like a big supercomputer so are we actually making decisions or is our brain just deciding the best course for us? Uh, it's, it's a very strange conversation you can get into. But if we boil it down to this, if I'm walking down a corridor and there's a left and a right, do I choose freely which one to go down? I think I do. Uh, yeah. Because I don't believe there's anything predetermined. Um, cool. Because I think the universe has a starting point. I don't th- necessarily think the ending point has been predetermined yet. I think we're just... Yeah slowly drifting out from the big bang losing our heat <laughs> well there's i mean you know this this episode of dark asks an interesting question there because you know at one point Ulrich is literally faced with a binary choice with no information about either choice when he picks left or right in the sigmundus creator's test mm-hmm. um tunnel um you know and and there's the implication there for the show dark is that he doesn't have free will because there's no way that you would toss a coin 50,000 times in a row and get heads every single time yeah. yet for, uh, for um, determinism to exist, he must always pick the left path to go to the fifties to murder, uh, to murder young Helga. Um, because, you know, there's literally no, there's, he has nothing to go on in that situation. It's literally just a binary choice based on no facts. So it's, um, I think the show at the moment seems to me 
to be leaning on saying there is no such thing as free will but that doesn't necessarily mean that um the that doesn't necessarily kind of invalidate the process of trying to find and express free will or or maybe it's just saying that there are characters who are operating on a far kind of lower or more simplistic level than the likes of the stranger you know like Ulrich who's operating on base instinct who can't see that you know he's making the most predictable choices um every single time he makes them and that still doesn't really explain the the the, the, the tunnel decision but um yeah I, I i guess the show is if i if i stop and think about it i guess like that particular decision in the show is sort of falls on the side of supporting determinism but yeah generally speaking for me personally i like the idea i'm in, in control of my own awful choices yeah yeah and i i think you are i i choose to believe that you are <laughs> right uh next question from beatrice there's already loads of good questions about the story, so I'll go off on a different approach. Oh, here we go. Oh, nice. This episode introduced my favorite time period from the show. I'm a sucker for the 50s aesthetic. So my question for both Conrad and Anthony, get in three questions, come on, is in terms of set design, characters, and storyline, which one is your favorite? Year 2019, 1986, or 1953? I'm going to guess... <laughs> no, actually, I'm not going to guess because I might get it wrong, but I was leaning on for you maybe the 80s, but... Oh yeah, it's definitely the 80s for me. Yeah, yeah. I, I, if I could have been born in another decade, well, I mean, I was born in the 80s, but uh, if I could have been like kind of grown up in another decade, it would have been the 80s for me. I, I do love, I love the 50s as well. Like, I like, I like a lot of jazz and uh, you know swing music, and I, I, I'm a big fan of an era where all men wore suits and hats. Um, yeah, but, hats, uh, yeah. but 80s just had like great music, great TV, great movies. That would have been the time for me. Yeah, like I'm, I'm gonna say, in terms of the show, I, to be honest with you, I've never even really thought it, about which other time I'd want to live in. I suppose, I suppose, like if we're just gonna go real mad, like I, if I could guarantee that I wouldn't just like die of some awful disease or get shot, <laughs> um, I, I, I would definitely want to live in the old west. I think if I could guarantee my safety. That's, I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of it kind of defeats the that basically what you're asking for is like a Westworld type experience there, where you you go to the old West, yeah. but you're never in any danger. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of people can uh, identify with that, and that's why uh, like there's a lot of people. I think when Stephen Fry was asked uh, where would you want to live, and he said he would he always answered just like present day. Yeah, because he he would die straight away if he went back in time. But uh, yeah, no, I mean there is some truth to that. I mean, I'll, I'll, like if I could if I could pick any timeline, I'd I'd go like a thousand years in the future and see what. <laughs> yeah see what we're up to there just like but you go straight you go forward a thousand years in the future and then you're just like in the middle of space nothing's there yeah yeah just like the sun is supernova and there's nothing left and i just immediately die yeah exactly well that's that's the best case scenario but um basically <laughs> <laughs> in terms of the show i i really really like the 50s aesthetic i'm gonna be honest with you because it's to me it's really nostalgic and it's it, that might sound completely ridiculous because i clearly wasn't alive in the 50s um, I'm a 90s kid, so I, 90s is my nostalgia. However, saying that, uh, I grew up watching Back to the Future a lot. Like I even said in one of my videos that I made, me and my, me and my younger brother, we used to watch Back to the Future after school every day for like a good three or four month period. We, some days we actually got all three of them in after school. So Your poor parents. 
So I went through a phase of only watching Back to the Future for, for like three or four months. And I also went through a phase, remember from the other week, of uh, listening to Bad Out of Hell for, uh, <laughs> <laughs> for six months. So I'm a man of habit, I'll, I'll say that. But um, because of that, I kind of feel a bit of nostalgia to the 50s because of Back to the Future 1. So mm-hmm. I, I, I love like Mr. Sandman, you know, I just love that idea. Yeah. And I, I, I just think that it really gave me Back to the Future vibes when they went into the 50s for me anyway, even though it's very different because it is Germany, but... Yeah, I mean the um, the the sort of um, production design of the fifties is is great as well. I mean, you know, I knew it was going to be because the eighties is so so well realized. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's there's just you know from the the like way everyone dresses to to you know the the, the way the houses look to um, you know um, Helga. What's Helga's mum's name again? Greta. Greta. Yeah. Greta like the way she dresses is so like period appropriate um and it, yeah it's just yeah it's it, it's it's a great great look and, and the music is great from that era as well but I think for me it, it would have to be the 80s just because we get you know hair metal and <laughs> and Blade Runner yeah and w- what I'll say as well just to sort of touch on before we move on about the set design and the, and the, art, the art direction of the show it's a very cinematic show uh and it, it's it's not like a a TV show like I don't know, like a CW network show or something, like you know, Superwoman or whatever, one of those shows. Those shows where like it's always the same set and they always and they always like have just like random clothes on. This show's yeah. art art direction is very very considered, and like every single scene has its own color palette and it, like what the characters are wearing blend in with the set and everything. So it's very filmic and very cinematic in that way it feels like yeah. you're watching a long film they're not they're not just sort of taking shortcuts in order to, in order to produce tv quickly and they are they are taking their time and really trying to produce a piece of art i feel yeah i, I think that's def- definitely true like there's, there's a there's an attention to detail in in the 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 way they construct these time periods that is is to be commended because it's obvious a lot of work uh, and effort went into achieving it yeah exactly all right, we're up to the up to it. The last question. Oh wow, here we go. Robert Barnt. Now, Robert has not let us off lightly with this last question. So, oh, no. although it is just a bit of a, it's a bit of a joke, really. But um, it 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 calls on your your knowledge of Faust, Conrad. So, oh Jesus, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> in a scene where the stranger and H.G. Townhouse are discussing the thirty-three year cycle uh, theory yeah. of time travel, Townhouse uses the phrase "Des Poodles Kern." And in the very next scene, Claudia is playing with her with Gretchen, her little white poodle. What does Conrad make of this? Since That's... I since I know Conrad loves Faust so much, <laughs> uh, I could not help mentioning uh, could help mentioning this idiom and something lost to many viewers in translation. Now, before you go, um, I've, I've actually looked up the etymology, um, so this will help you with your uh, answer because I am expecting an A star level answer here. Yeah, so, etymology. Uh, literally meaning the poodle's core. The phrase is taken from a scene in Faust part one, during which the bl- a black poodle follows Faust home and transforms into a wandering scholar who is actually Mistopheles yeah. in disguise. Faust exclaims, Das war also des poodle's kern. So that was the poodle's core. And that is, it means, so that's what was going on inside the poodle. Yeah. Um, I vaguely remember that from Faust. I honestly, I can't, I can't put my hand on my heart and say I remember Faust very well. But yes, okay, I think, I think I remember this. <laughs> so, um, 
if the implication that um is it robert robert barnes yeah the robert barnes is suggesting here is that the poodle is a demon with with whom claudia slash helga is going to make some kind of deal or bargain for power then i am 100 percent on board with that as a theory <laughs> i mean actually you say okay no serious answer the poodle, the poodle has gone into the goddamn caves, which means I mean, poodle. Oh, no, hear me out. <laughs> like, okay, let's assume for one second that that poodle figures out a way to open the Sigmundus Creator's S door. <laughs> it's coming out uh, another timeline. You know that's that's to be expected. So maybe Claudia is going to run into that dog, run into a dog in the eighties, and that's what's going to set her on the path. She's going to find her old dog. Yeah, she'll find her. She'll find Gretchen. She'll like her dog will turn up in the eighties, and it won't be a kind of uh, it won't be a kind of like demonic bargain for power. <laughs> it will just be a sort of revelation as to what is going on at the core of. Uh, of fact, Cla- Claudia is in the caves <laughs> in nineteen eighty six, so she's gonna. Ru- okay, there we go. By the end of this season, Claudia is gonna run into her dog her, in the caves in the eighties. All right, that, put, put it in the matrix. It's on the matrix. Um, the, yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember Faust well enough to give any more of, the, of a serious answer than that. I think, uh, to be completely honest, I think I read Faust uh, purely as like an affectation when I was like eighteen, just to be like, oh, look how cool and literary I am that I'm reading. German hey, hey don't put Robert down. Oh no! I mean, I'm sure Robert is a scholar and a saint, and you know, has actually is actually an expert on Faust. Whereas I, I think I read it about the same time as I quote unquote read War and Peace, um, yeah. which is to say, I got about a third of the way through it, and then was like, oh, I've read enough of this to claim that I've read it, and then, <laughs> and then, and then, like, just never mentioned it again. Yeah, well, uh, I'm a big musical fan, and uh, Les Miserables is one of my favorite musicals, and I bought the book. Uh, I think I read about 13 pages. Uh, it's, yeah. like, it's like, which is probably like, you know, one hundredth of the pages, but you know, yeah. still. It was you good get the general gist. Good effort, good effort. French Revolution, you know, there's some guys with tricolor flags. Listen, if, if you have a book on your bookshelf and you've seen the film, no one's going to question it. Oh, yeah. I mean, my, my novelization of, uh, of the video game Doom is uh is is testimony to that pride of place pride of place i will i will i will say though i don't know why there's something about leonardo dicaprio films that (laughs) whenever i see they're coming out i get so excited about them so for example both the revenant and the and shutter island i saw the trailers and i was like oh my god i can't wait for this and then i just bought the books read them and didn't see the films for like three years I didn't even know they were based on books, actually. I knew The Revenant was. Shutter Island. Shutter, uh, Shutter Island, I'm telling you now, in my opinion, Shutter Island is one of the best book-to-film adaptations. They actually, I don't know how Scorsese did it, but he managed to actually capture the essence of the book. In my opinion, it's like, it's like really crazy and off the wall. And like, you've seen Shutter Island, have you? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. So the way they're able to tie everything together in terms of the main mystery of it and all, it, they did a really good job. And I haven't seen something that complicated be brought to life on film uh, before, um, from a book anyway. Um, but I haven't seen every film, you know. And I haven't read any, every book, that's for sure. Oh, until you have, you are not allowed to have an opinion on any film. That's just how it works. That's, that's exactly how it works. All right, that's us for this week. Uh, as I mentioned before, we are not going to be having a question and answers video 
for the next episode at least. Maybe we will have one after that um, to, to sort of ask questions about the end of the season. But um, there's been obviously real reasons for that. So hopefully we'll be able to... Uh, if you still want to answer, ask questions on the on the episode, you can't now because it closes on Thursday, as I already told uh, Marvin in this episode. But um, look out for something in the future. Well, definitely every single Monday you will get your After Dark podcast. It just depends on what form that will take in the next few weeks. So bear with us. Um, that will it will be with you. There'll be no questions and answers though, and we'll keep you updated apart apart from that. Anything else to add this week, Conrad? Uh, no. Just uh, thank you once again for for coming on this journey with us. It's much appreciated. Yeah, keep on trucking. Right, uh, I'm looking forward to getting this uh, theory matrix uh, sort of scored out in red. That's what I falsch, falsch. That's what I'm looking we're for. about we're about fifty fifty. I'm gonna say. And actually, there's a lot of yellow. So yellow is my ongoing. Uh, yeah. So most, I mean, Peter again. Peter Doppler is guilty of something. Proposed episode one. So I mean, well, I that, could, that Scott, you know what? That's dead on. Listen, I can score that off in green anytime I want. That's just yeah, that's in the bag. <laughs> that's in the bag. Whatever, uh, um, whatever you dip below fifty percent. Yeah, exactly. That, that's one a, green. That, that, one, that one's in the back pocket, ready yeah. for. I'm not. I'm not 100 percent confident on the Regina will have a sword fight, and the there is some kind of satanic blood magic at work. Uh, <laughs> but you know, no. we'll see. For a ying, there's a yang. Yeah. Also, Elizabeth and Yasin are still not deaf mute and evil masterminds. I'm sticking to my guns on those theories. <laughs> All right, well, that's all for us this week, guys. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on uh, audio apps. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. And apart from that, goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the After Dark Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode.